Hey, Oasis Church Chicago, Pastor JP here. Hey, we're so glad that you're joining with us on our podcast today. I pray today that this message stirs your faith, that it builds you up, that it draws you closer to the Father's heart, and ultimately that you just feel the embrace of heaven. We would love to stay connected with you and you to stay connected with us. So please feel free to check us out on our website, oasischurchchicago.com, or download our app, Oasis Church Chicago. Also, you can be sure to join with us on our live stream on our YouTube page every Wednesday night and Sunday morning. Now here's today's message. To uh, see you guys, um, man, th- uh, Christopher, team, thank you guys for worship this morning. That was fantastic. I haven't been in corporate worship for a little bit. It's been weird. I've been traveling a lot, but not in corporate worship settings. So I've got this space in my house that that I've set up to be able to worship God. You know, have time with Him. But there's nothing like being in the house of God, worshiping with others, right? And um, there's just something about His tangible presence that seems to like provide a a really, really awesome contrast to what, when we step out of this room, what we're met with out there. And I wish we could live here, you know what I mean? But um, we're called to also go outside there, and so it's, it's really important to have these moments. Uh, I, just, I just gotta tell you, I feel really good this morning. I feel really refreshed after our time of worship. I think last time when I was here, I'll be honest, I don't think I was very nice at times. I can't remember. But I think I was going through some stuff in my own world that was, I'm just being straight up with you. Like, I'm, I'm a, what you see is what you get with me. And um, I apologize if I made you mad last time. <laughs> but sincerely, I, um, we're in a unique season of human history that gives us an awesome opportunity to see the kingdom of God come into this, this realm, right? This is a realm. And it's hard sometimes when you're so bombarded with this realm to realize there's a greater realm. And it's the realm of his kingdom. And through access and uh, partnership with the Holy Spirit, through our communion with Jesus, man, we really have an awesome opportunity as husbands. If you're a husband, as a dad, if you're a dad, if you're single, as a single person, as a worker, as a friend, as a citizen of the United States, as a a citizen in Chicago, you really have an awesome opportunity to, to take the peace of God and distribute it like never before, because there's so much unrest and insecurity and fear and anxiety. And the cool thing is we get, we get, our assignment is to actually go into anxiety and bring, bring his, his heavenly kingdom. That's a pretty cool assignment. By the way, that last last song is one of my favorites. It's a little wordy. I, I struggle with the words at times. So when the words weren't up there, I was battling, man. I was like, I don't even know, I'm just mumbling in the spirit, but, but I felt my soul, my, I did, I just felt my mind, my, my emotions cry out this morning um, for more of him and a lot less of me. This has been the weirdest year for me, JP. It's been one of the hardest years. Is it 2022? I can't, I'm looking forward to 2023. Um, it was just been a weird year. We're in month 10, right? It's been 10 of the hardest months I've experienced in my life. But it's awesome. You know what I mean? What you're gonna hear this morning is, is hopefully provides you scriptural context of like the reality of the hope we have. I love when we drove up and there's a banner of hope. There's that big sign, hope, over the name Oasis. You know, and there's a banner of hope over you guys. And... Man, without hope, it's really hard to follow Jesus. 
You know, Hebrews 11.1 1 says that, that without faith, it's 11.6 says without faith, it's impossible to please God because you have to believe that he is, right? But you also have to believe as you go into this thing and you're seeking him with all your heart, you gotta believe that he also rewards that. It's not a works thing, it's just like a reward thing. Man, if I'm going all in with you, Lord, I'm trusting that what you said in your word as I go all in, you're gonna do, that you're not mocked, that as a man sows, he will also reap. You know, if you sow to the spirit, you're gonna reap from the spirit the things of eternal life. That's what Galatians 6 says, but if you sow to the flesh, you reap from the flesh what it produces, and it says it produces corruption, and we all know that to be true, right? You get what you sow, and that's a cool reality because when you sow to the spirit, you can expect a reaping of the things of the Spirit, and that's really cool. The things of the Spirit are really awesome. Peace and joy and love and, golly, we could use all those things, right? Patience, the ability to endure and long-suffer and have self-control. How many would like to have more self-control? <laughs> right? It's, it's um, just an awesome opportunity. So I love when darkness shows up because it provides a backdrop for light and I just think sometimes as kingdom people, we, we gotta be able to filter through the right lens, right? Because we're living in a season where if you're not careful, you'll be looking through the lens of darkness and not light. Before you know it, the light in you becomes darkness and everything gets jaded. And so uh, I believe moments like this are great because we can renew our minds. You know, Paul said in Romans 12, one through two, he said, hey, listen, don't do this. In the view of the mercy of God, do me a favor. Give your body as a living sacrifice. Give yourself to this thing, every part of you, and don't be conformed. Don't let the world squeeze you into its mold because it's trying real hard to squeeze you into a mold from the time you were just little to the time you are now. This world has a system, it has a spirit, it has a structure, it's a temple. It's a flawed temple system. And if you're not careful, it'll start squeezing you into how it thinks. And when I got born again and came to know Jesus in 1996, I was introduced to a whole new way of thinking. It was so contrary to the way I'd been thinking. And so uh, to me, it had to, it had to be real because it was so counterintuitive. He loves me and I know me, that's weird because I would never choose me. You know, I don't know if you've had, I, 1996, I strolled into a Bible study, I'm like, I'm I was sweating, I was not brought up in the church, I was just trying to get out of the doghouse with my wife who had locked herself in the bathroom, and I show up at this Bible study, all my best friends that I ran and party with, I'm in the middle of an NFL career, I had everything you could ever imagine that this world offers, I had power, I had privilege, I never paid for a meal, I had my cars paid for, I had everything paid for. That'd be kinda nice, right? And yet I was missing everything, I was miserable. That's a, that's a really difficult spot when you tasted and seen everything the world has, its best shot, and you're still depressed. I was still demonized, I was still angry. I was still punching holes in walls. That's a weird, and then you meet Jesus. He's like, I find you attractive, I find your anger. <laughs> Somehow your anger is gonna be converted in my spirit to, to persistence and tenacity and passion. You know, it, it's like I needed something that could transform. I needed a change of material, you know what I mean? I was, I was clay and I needed to become gold, but I didn't know how to get there because you can't really burn clay. 
but gold you can, you know what I mean? I needed something that could stand up to fire. I needed something that could stand up to pressure. And as clay, I couldn't stand up to it. And so we're gonna look at some scripture. I'm just gonna talk to you about where I think we're at in the, in the bride of Christ right now, historically. Uh, the sons of Issachar were a tribe of Israel, and it says they knew how to discern the times. And so I've been pressing in a lot, like, Lord, where are we at right now? What's the time we're in so we can get the bride of Christ ready? You know, and the, the, I kept praying, I kept hearing, man, help leaders. Help leaders get themselves and their people they're leading. Help them get themselves ready for fire. Revival. What are you saying about how many of you want revival? I mean, I'm done singing about it. <laughs> Golly. I just want to see a move of God's Spirit that counteracts our natural abilities and overwhelms my dysfunction and our world's dysfunction. Just something sovereign that comes and goes, I'm gonna land upon this people and do some crazy stuff. Um, so get get ready for like revival ready and then fireproofed. You don't know you need fireproofing until a fire shows up, right? And stormproofed. Like you don't need, you need, like in Florida, we just came through a hurricane. I'm from Florida. And so you never, like for seven months of the year, you're not thinking about stormproofing anything. And then all of a sudden, the first hurricane rolls through with a threat. And I never watch the national media because it's like their Super Bowl. They're excited about disaster coming. They're even manufacturing disaster pictures of men leaning against wind and it's just fascinating. So we always watch the local news because they actually care about your local community. And so you, you gotta be careful who you listen to, where you're getting your information. Because one group's gonna literally profit off of catastrophe and the other group's gonna get destroyed in it. And if nine months of the year you're partnering with the people that are gonna profit off disaster, <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Like, we're, we're, we gotta get smart and revival ready and fireproofed and stormproofed because I think there's some stuff coming down the pike that, that is an awesome opportunity, but if you're not ready for it, you could get overwhelmed and sucked into the vortex. Like the last two years revealed how easy it is for us as humans to get sucked into anxiety and fear and to give up stuff that we normally would like, why, why would, what? I'm not gonna get with my brothers and sisters and worship God together? Like looking at it now, it seems like, what were we thinking? You didn't know, right? It's the power of the unknown. And so like, it's like, what are you gonna do? We just tried to do our best and now we're coming through that. So, Let's learn from that, right? Let's learn from going through that last storm and go, let's make a commitment. We're not gonna bail on the word of God no matter what a civil authority says. Is he speaking of rebellion? Absolutely. When your civil authority contradicts the word of God, it's not loving your neighbor to obey civil authority over the word of God. Those scriptures got twisted like never before in the church. Literally pastors teaching that you should submit to civil authority even if they tell you things that contradict the word of God. 
Because you're not gonna stand before a civil authority one day. You're gonna stand before the creator of the universe and give an account of your life. That's gonna be a really crazy moment. You ever think about that? What's your name? Jerry? You ever think about that? Like one day I'm gonna stand before the living creator of the universe? What's that stir up in you? Like actually, what does it stir up in you? Nervousness? Yeah. Why nervousness? Because it's gonna be a new habitat when I'm in heaven. It's gonna be a new habitat when I'm in heaven. New habitat. Here's what's crazy, is that new habitat, if you read Revelation 21 and 22, that new habitat actually comes here. Did you know you're not going there? Did you know that when the kingdom of heaven comes in its fullness, it actually comes here? And when he made Adam and Eve, where did he create them? Here. Right, he put them in a garden here. And he brought his kingdom here. Did you guys know that like you're not escaping? You didn't get an escape plan when you got saved. You got an assignment. So what if you could find that assignment now and bring that realm here now? And so you're a lot less nervous when you know you're like, building of that material, right? You know that realm's gonna be, it's gonna overwhelm this realm. Wouldn't it be better if you like were a lot less nervous and you were ready for that realm to come in its fullness and you started getting ready now? Okay, I'm just checking. That excites me. All right, go to... um, Let's go to, uh, let me get my iPad open. Let's go up to Luke chapter five. You good? I don't know if it'll be on the screen. I think it will be Luke chapter five, uh, one through 11. It says, one day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. And so he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. Like, if you think about this scene, it's really unique. Like, who does he think he is? You know what I mean? Like, you ever, I, I stop and think, I'm like, if I'm Peter and I own the boat, if I have my car, and some random dude comes and gets in my car and then says, you get in the car and back it up for me. I'm not going, I'm reaching for my weapon that is usually in my car. I'll be honest, I I have a concealed carry permit. I'm not, like he's invading, it seems like he's trespassing. And that's what Jesus does. If you, if you say, like we sang about it all morning, Jesus, we want you. Like when you say that, you're literally giving him access 
to trespass the areas you actually don't want him to come into. Because <laughs> you want all of him, right? And the cool thing about him is like, even if you don't allow him access, he's still gonna meddle. He's still gonna mess with you. He's still gonna do stuff in your life that goes, eventually I'm getting in that, those three locks on that door are eventually gonna get opened up to me because of my persistence and my love for you. You know, he starts, you start getting convinced of how much you love him, you're like, okay, here's a little more access. That's how it was for me. I wasn't gonna give Jesus full access early. I don't trust him. I don't even know him. So I was like very, I was like, okay, I'll give you this. Yeah, I'll jump in this water and get baptized. But you don't get to mess with my anger because it is an asset as a middle linebacker. You, you see, but then he started loving me through my anger. And I'm like, geez, I've done my best to self-sabotage. I've done my best to push him away. And he's still persisting that he loves me. Like, okay, you might as well have, take a crack at this. It's been generational. I come from a long line of angry men. Good luck. And I was probably the first generation in my family line that said, take, take a shot at it. You know what he did? He's thinking, change me. Like, for real, I stopped raging. My wife thought, found me more attractive. You know, the Ten Commandments are good ideas to live by. Like, not murdering is healthy for community. Not punching holes in the wall, right, is healthy for your family. Me waking up not wanting to die is probably better for my kids. But I, that's how I felt. Like, I wrestled so many years with depression. And then he starts changing it. But I was trained my whole life, you never get out of it. Like the world said, you're just stuck. And then you go to psychology and it says, never address your heart, just deal with your mind, right? It just says, deal with the, change your circumstances, everything's gonna be right. Well, I found out that I could be a, in one setting and then I got drafted the NFL, right? I was a, now I'm in a different setting, a different city, a different people, and I had more and I was still just as angry. So circumstances can change, but something, something had to be permanent here in the core of who I was. And so Jesus is coming to Peter's boat and he's like getting, he says, get out there. And then he says, takes it a step further, finishes finish talking. He says, now go out where it's deeper. And this is the season where we're at in human history where God is coming to the church and going, I need you guys to trust me and we gotta go deeper. And we gotta move beyond our natural methodology of what we've always, how we've always done it. And when you're confronted by a God like that, it creates what's called, I'll just use the term, holy discontentment. It creates this thing in you is like, that's what Peter, he's like, whoa, whoa, what are you talking about? We fished all night, caught nothing. But then there, there's something that happens in Peter where he's like, this dude's ballsy. Can I say ballsy in your church? <laughs> no, I'm serious. Jesus like, like was, um, now I'm stuck on ballsy. Uh, 
risky, tenacious, um, could care less about your feelings kind of stuff, right? And Peter goes, you know what, though? Let's give it a go. That's all God's after right now. There's the people that just goes, you know what? Tried it so many different ways. Why not? Why not show up Wednesday for prayer? Let's see what God does. Why not start pressing in? Why not? Why not stop listening to some of the stuff I'm listening to in the, the media world and start listening and leaning into the Holy Spirit more? Why not? Maybe this is a cool opportunity. Maybe we can, we're gonna hear something that could change us. Something in Peter called hope, because hope, that I, Hebrews 11 one says what faith is. Faith is the assurance of things you're hoping for. It's the conviction of things you can't see. Hope starts stirring up in Peter. And he's like, okay, let's go for it. They let down their nets. This time their nets were so full that the fish began to tear the, tear the nets. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat. and Soon both boats were filled with fish on, a, on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, oh Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. Like, I read that and I'm like, how does this massive catch suddenly change Peter's mind about how sinful he is? That's what James says. He's like, the crazy kindness of the father actually reveals how good he is and how, how awesome he is. And, it, and then you start putting yourself up against that backdrop and you're like, Ugh. But Peter wasn't falling what, what we fall to, condemnation. He was falling to conviction. Because if you're in Christ Jesus, I've got good news for you. Romans 8, 1 says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free from the law of sin and death. And it goes on and says, because what the law couldn't do, because of your flesh, Jesus did in his flesh, fulfilling the law, and bringing liberation. So when you're confronted with the goodness of God and you feel a conviction that says that needs to change, don't fall to condemnation that says, oh, now I'm unfit for use. You didn't hear Peter go, oh, I can't fish anymore. He's like, I just, listen, I can't, I'm sinful. I'm a sinful man. Clearly, there's something in you and on you that I've never experienced, and my boat when you're in it is radically different than when my partners and I are in it. And what Jesus provided through his presence is called contrast. A pleasant contrast. It says when this presence is here, anything's possible. But when this presence isn't here, I'm just stuck in my normal rut and routine. I don't know about you, but I don't do well in that rut. You keep a dog penned up long enough, I go hunting a lot, you keep a hunting dog penned up, man, they start scratching itches that were never there because they're called to be in the fight. Jesus knew Peter was called out of the boat. He was called to get into the fight but Peter doesn't know how to get there. But what he experienced is something beautiful. It's called an oasis. If you look up the definition of oasis, it means refuge. 
a green spot in the midst of an arid land. And then I, this little definition, I saw it this week. I was praying for you. It says a, a pleasant contrast. An oasis gives a pleasant contrast. It shows what could be in the midst of what is. Do you know what your prophetic name of your church is? Not just a name. The prophetic assignment of this church is to be a refuge. Yes, here, but when you leave here, you're constantly walking into environments where just your presence, because his presence is in you and on you, just your presence alone comes into an environment and causes a contrast. But most of us don't live with that awareness, and so we just kind of walk into our normal lives not realizing the power that is actually in us and on us that could lead to impact in every moment of our lives. Like if I don't have an awareness that he's on me and with me, preaching is lame. This is just another, people will come up with a great speech. I don't want to have a great speech today. I want you to encounter the presence of God. I want you to experience a contrast from your normal everyday life. That knowing your own issues and your own contradictions in yourself, left to yourself, but in him, and when he's on you, those same contradictions and those same weaknesses suddenly become something that is fruit-bearing and attractive to the rest of the world because they're like, you ain't perfect. That's what I remember, our quarterback, Mark Brunell, he, 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 it was his Bible study I ended up at. I was like, man, this guy, I thought he was weird. I didn't know what a Christian meant. I just thought he was a little bit strange because he seemed a little bit too nice and I thought his music taste really sucked. <laughs> but you know what I saw in him? Peace. And every time I bump into him, the same environment, same locker room, same chaos, same coach, a demanding, brutal coach. But every day he came to work, peace. And every day I'm coming to work, terrified gonna lose my job. Imagine you start coming into environments when the Spirit of God, you pray that morning and you get up and you're like, man, greater is he who's in me than he that's in this world. And I ain't got it figured out, but I know one thing, Jesus, would you come upon me? I know you're in me for a work that you're doing in here, but I need you on me for a work you wanna do out there. You start living your life with this keen awareness that he's on me. Now when I go to get coffee, he's on me. And there might be something in that environment that needed, needed light. As a husband, imagine living with that purpose. When I come home, I've got him on me. And even though I forgot to bring the keys or leave the keys for you this morning for your car, and you're frustrated because you can't get here on time. Josh. But if she can see, no, it doesn't matter. He's on you. I'm good with you. But if you turn that, oh, I failed my wife and I suck and I'm unfit for use this morning. Do you see the difference? I'm sorry to use you as a living example. You clearly know what happened to Josh this morning. He, 
And we're in a season that's called holy discontentment. I'm going to read these words for time's sake. Holy discontentment. So that means when you start sensing I'm not good with how things are. Does anybody else feel that? Like you're going, I'm not okay with how things are. Now under the jurisdiction of the Holy Spirit, that's very productive and a helpful tool. Under the spirit of the age, it's very destructive. I'm not gonna worry about the spirit of the age. Let's talk about under the spirit. So when the spirit of God leads you into a place where you're not okay with the way things are in your own life and the way things are in your culture, and sometimes even the way things are in your church. Because there's some of you that are sitting here going, I wish this was different in our church. You're fully aware. You're aware of that, right? Every pastor is. We totally get it. There's some stuff we would change. I remember there were times I didn't want to go to our church. I was the pastor. I didn't put my kids in our children's ministry. It was a disaster. I'm not going to corrupt my own children. <laughs> some of you think I'm joking. I've grown a lot over the years. So we just stopped even children's ministry. We just had everybody come in. But it's, it's the Holy Spirit, when he leads you, it's a deep status, a dissatisfaction that doesn't lead to condemnation. It leads to hope because it's the Spirit of God who I know loves me and represents the Father. He's the one agitating me right now. And so if he's calling me to growth and not another human, but he is actually authoring, if he starts it in you, he'll finish it in you. That's what Philippians 1.6 says. But if humans started in you, he doesn't have to finish. Does that make sense? Like, don't let a human being start. Let, let him. And so when he starts initiating, it creates an ache. It creates a hunger pain. And you're like, there's got to be more. That's what God's trying to do in the church right now, to get her to go, man, there has to be more. I'm getting hungry and thirsty. I want to see it. I want to sing about it. I want to prophesy about it. I want to pray about it. I want more, Lord. I can't stay the same, right? It's like, I need more of you. I'm gonna forget about what's wrong with my family and wrong with my church and wrong with my community and wrong with everybody else. I'm gonna stop pointing any fingers. I'm gonna stop looking to this for little tidbits of advice and I'm gonna go straight to your word and your spirit and I'm not gonna to conform to that pattern of the world. I'm gonna be transformed. I'm gonna give my body today for you, Jesus. Take my mind. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16, he said, you've been given the mind of Christ. You have the mind of Christ. Peter says you've been given everything needed for life and godliness through the knowledge of Jesus. So every day you wake up and you start eating from the tree of life, you start drawing near to him, he draws near to you, James says. Like this morning, when we're drawing near to him, he drew near to us. And man, when he's near, when dad's near, man, it changes everything for a kid. Like when storms would come into our house and our kids were little, my kids would sprint into our room and hop into our bed and get under our covers. Why? Because they knew one thing about dad. Somehow, when a storm comes, he doesn't flip out. He's not anxious. And see, what if we became a non-anxious presence in the midst of anxiety? Because you know, even if I die, it's gain. I'm 50 now. When you're 20, you're like, okay, great scripture. Great promise. Oh, yeah, great. I want to die. No, my daughter still wants to get married. You know what I mean? But when you hit 50, you're like, truthfully, Lord, just take me. 
well insured. It's so much easier for everybody. Give them a few months to recover and recuperate. They're, they're old enough now they can process better. And when the kids were younger, I never asked for that because I was like, oh, the, 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 a dad being absent. I know what that turns into. And so I'm like, okay, well, let's. But now I'm like, eh. But I'm, I've gone to that place. I'm like, nothing freaks me out anymore. Other than the little stuff. Like disasters, nothing. But traffic? I know we should be about done, JP. Um, but I just want to tell you, you're in a beautiful spot. As the body of Christ, don't be discouraged that you're feeling discontent. The Spirit of God's leading it. Let the Spirit of God lead it, it'll lead to something beautiful. Because when you start hungering and thirsting for more, you start dealing with your need for change. You start going, start with me, Lord. Such a beautiful prayer, just start with me. Take a little season to not critique or condemn or ridicule anything else. And just take a moment of honest evaluation under the lens of the Holy Spirit and let him deal with your crap. At some point, you're gonna have to deal with it. Start now, because there's a grace and when you start dealing with it, when the presence of God shows up and you start realizing, man, I am not okay, and I begin to cry out for God to change you, it moves you to this place where you start getting prepared. You start going, I'm gonna draw near. Confession and repentance are no longer something I run away from. Confession and repentance are gifts of God where I'm like, oh man, I can't wait to get pure and clean and confess my faults and let God do something in me. Like the, the world system says you confess your weaknesses to others, you're gonna get exploited. And truthfully, sometimes the church system that's been under the world system takes your weaknesses and sins and will exploit you. And so what's a man or woman of God to do? If the church can't get it, if the world can't get it, you've got, who John says, an advocate with the Father. His name is Jesus Christ. And he says you can confess your sins to him and he is faithful and just to forgive your sins just like they never happened. And if you've got a good believing community that you know won't exploit your weaknesses, James says you wanna get really healed? Get with a human agent that represents the Father well and confess that to him. Then they can pray for you and bring the anointing oil, right? And you can get healed. So not just forgiven. You see, forgiveness comes from above. Healing comes from above, but it's usually through a human representative. The key is you shouldn't trust everybody. Well, wait a minute. I'm supposed to be a Christian. I'm just supposed to trust. No, who said that? Jesus did not, he, knew, he said he knew the hearts of man, so he didn't trust them. He loved them. Love everybody, but deal with your sin issues with the right people, you'll actually get healed. I could tell my brothers anything, and they wouldn't judge me, wouldn't condemn me. They'd pray for me, and then they would help me by keeping me accountable. 
When you start getting hungry and discontent for the way things are, you'll do crazy stuff like having people in your life to keep you accountable. Because the truth is most of us don't have that. Because we're afraid of rejection, we're afraid of alienation, we're afraid of getting exploited. Take the risk. Peter had the courage to get in front of Jesus and go, I'm sinful. You know what Jesus looked, looked at him and said, so? Look at his response. Get up. Let's go fish for men. The problem is you've been aiming at the wrong species. You're gonna go, we're gonna go, we're gonna go get men. And Peter, you know, he denied Jesus three times, always spoke up when he shouldn't. Guess who delivered the first gospel of the kingdom message on the day of Pentecost? Peter. 3,000 people got radically changed. Those people got dispersed throughout the nations and began to infiltrate the kingdom of darkness through the gospel of the kingdom. The Spirit of God starts aligning your heart. You start praying prayers like Moses prayed. You start contending. That's why the title of this message is like moving from discontentment to contending. You start going, Lord, I need more of you in me, but I also need more of you in our world, and I'm gonna start contending for your presence to come into all these environments and provide this pleasant contrast so when they, they are awakened to the reality of your realm, they can be transformed. It's why I get on planes. It's why I minister to my sons. It's why I minister to leaders. It's why I do what I do. It's the mission that God's put on me. In the midst of the most difficult year of my life, he has brought the most revelation I've ever seen for me in my life and my assignment, and I'm so grateful that I didn't give up. I'm so grateful I didn't get bitter at the church that blew up at me. I'm so grateful I didn't let another man dictate my destiny with Jesus. I'm so glad I didn't let the media determine anything in my life over COVID. I'm so glad I still worship my king. I'm so glad I get to do it now. I'm so glad I get to contend for his presence. Ezekiel the prophet, there was a scripture in Ezekiel chapter um, 22 when uh, God is looking for a man. And it, basically God, there's oppression going on, the poor are being exploited. It's in Ezekiel chapter 22, and, he, and then God says, I sought for a man among them who should build up the wall and stand in the breach before me in the, for that land, that I should not destroy it, but I found none. Let us be the one he finds. Maybe the injustice, let it be, maybe the injustice in our land is not about a group or this, maybe it's about the condition of our sinful hearts that neglects the needs of others. Because sometimes we get so hell-bent on like coming against a group or coming against something that it allows us the ease and comfort of not having to deal with our own stuff. The truth is, the stuff that's in you is the stuff that's in them. The same stuff that makes you overlook somebody is the same stuff that makes them overlook somebody. The same stuff that wants to take out wrath on somebody else is the same stuff that, do you understand what I'm saying? Like the anger you feel towards others is still anger towards others. 
Just because you're a Christian doesn't make it more acceptable. So the stuff you tweet, the stuff you do, I'm telling you, it counts. And there'll be stuff you're doing right now in your 20s that you'll be appalled at in your 50s. That your kids will call you out on it because now it's a permanent record. Dad, let's see what you believe when you're in your 20s. Son, don't go back and look at my history. <laughs> it's just reality. My encouragement is to get straight with God. Get straight with Jesus. Come into alignment with him and his kingdom. Because what will happen, you start contending for others. Your prayer meetings turn into contending meetings. We're contending for our culture, contending for our neighborhoods, contending for our city governments, contending for our police departments, contending for our fire department. Let's contend. When God looks for somebody to stand in the gap and is building a wall, somebody that he can go fully support, how would you like to have his full support? Then contend for what he wants you to contend for. Don't get discouraged with your discontentment. It's a gift from God if filtered through the lens of God. Persistence starts becoming the value system. One thing I learned through football, pain processed properly is an asset. The world says run away from pain, take a pill for pain, Go see somebody else for your pain. The gospel says pain, when filtered through my presence and my love and my grace, brings incredible character transformation and hope. Romans 3, Romans 5, 3 through 5 says, all these trials produce something in us that can't be produced when things are going good. Look at your neighbor and say, you need pressure. You need fire. You need pain, don't go asking for it. Do your best to not self-sabotage, but you need pain. I don't mean you personally, but you, you, how many of you have gone through pain? Isn't it better to process it through hope than to process it through family history. That's why there has to be this undergirding, okay? Romans 8, end of the chapter. There's nothing that can separate you from his love. Height, depth, demons, angels, man, poverty, nakedness, nothing can separate you from his love. Nothing. Nothing. No past traumatic relationship can. No financial hardship can. Some of you have been abused. Your abuse doesn't separate you from the love of God. Your trauma you went through is a beautiful asset because one day the Holy Spirit's gonna come into your land as you let him and he's gonna let down the drawbridge and he comes in and he's like, I got you. I'm not okay with what happened to you, but I got you. Otherwise, this faith is a joke. But if he's real, if he's true, if he's that loving, if he's that caring, if the gospel is true, if Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, there is hope like never before in our life. 
We can bring the keys back up and we can. JP, is there anything that you want me to? You sure? Do you guys receive this? Is this okay? I don't mean okay like, hey, good job, right? Like, like I could care. I, I, when I say I could care less, I don't mean that disrespectfully, but that's not my job. My job is not to like, I hope you guys like fun together. Most of you, the more you get to know me, probably won't like me because sometimes I'm like prickly and sometimes I'm not, I'm, I'm too intense. I'm trying to be super nice today. I'm trying, I was like, Lord, please, please help me like be loving and kind and not a, not a jerk. Um, but what if you could go from discontentment to contending? Would you want that? How many of you want that? Like, I, I wanna move from discontent. I wanna go, I wanna start. And so that means we need God to change our heart. How many of you would admit that, that during this season it's been a battle of not having a hard heart? Can, can we all, who, who is that? Lift, like it's, it's been hard. I'll be honest, I've had, I've had a hard heart at times. And you know the truth is, I've been really hard on the church. Because I've been in it, I've pastored, and I know what goes on in it. And it's a mess. Not just, not your church. Your church is perfect in all ways. <laughs> But the church is a mess, okay? But what good does it do to say it's a mess? We're not responsible for anybody else's church. You're responsible for this church because when God looks at you, he sees one people. He doesn't see a bunch of individuals this morning, you're one. I stepped into your group and now I'm one with you. You see what I'm saying? So today when he looks at us, he's not looking at individuals, he's going, as a group, do we need a heart change? Who would say yes? As a group, do we want to be more passionate about contending for what he wants to bring into the earth? Yes, amen? As a group, do we want to get better and more efficient at meeting the needs of those that we are responsible for? As a group, do we want to be better husbands and better wives and better parents? Of course. Otherwise, you're not here this morning. You're here because something in you said, I want more.